conversations with Cordates. Hello, welcome back to Convos with Cordates. Today, our episode is a little bit different. Um, we are talking about religion. And we are talking about religion specifically about, you know, what what does religion mean to different people? Uh, why is it important in their life? And also, really interestingly, can you be a scientist and be religious? Now, as a person who, you know, does science, who did a PhD, I actually personally was quite surprised with how many colleagues and friends I found that were religious and did science. And it really opened up my mind about how religion and science does not have to be mutually exclusive. As I went further into teaching about science, one of the things I had to be aware of was that my students come from diverse backgrounds, right? Diverse cultures, and diverse religions. And the last thing you want to do is when you talk about science or when you talk about things like evolution, you don't ever want to offend anybody, right? You do not want also to uh, push your own views on anybody else because that's not what your job is there as a teacher, right? Your job there is just to offer the information for these people, for your students, my apologies. So I thought, why not make a podcast episode on this? Because I'm not an I'm not an expert on this. I I'm still learning about how to tread this line between religion and science. And so, I would like to first introduce our amazing host, Sammy Burke. Hey, and the amazing other host, Anastasia Shabrova. <laughs> Thank you very much. I realized I don't always introduce myself. Yeah. <laughs> um, but as I said, I don't really think I'm an expert on this. And Me I'm neither. always looking to learn. Yeah. And so Sammy and I have a very good mutual friend who I think will be our excellent expert today. Welcome to the show, Liz Sarovic. Hi. How you going, Liz? Oh, doing all right. Doing all right. Um, so I think it's best to start with our backgrounds, you know, with our backgrounds, um, our scientific backgrounds, as well as our religious backgrounds. Liz, would you do the honors of starting for me? Sure. Um, so science background, uh, my undergrad, I majored in biology with a minor in astrophysics and master's. Mm, I know. <laughs> She's a smart lady. Huh? <laughs> uh, but then I also, my master's, I majored, uh, got a master's in biology. And now I'm currently working on a working on a PhD in evolutionary biology, mm-hmm. so that's kind of science background. That's where I am. Mm-hmm. Um, religious background: I was born and raised Catholic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, do you mind? Because c- could you tell us a little bit about your cultural background? Where are you from? Sure. So uh, by my accent, I am not from Australia. I am. <laughs> uh, I'm from the U.S. Specifically, I'm from Texas, mm-hmm. uh, San Antonio, Texas. So culturally, uh, in Texas and and kind of southernish regions of the U.S., we have a lot of kind of religious. Texas is considered part of what, what is called the Bible Belt, which oh. includes things that are like Lutheran, uh, other different kind of Protestant denominations, things like that. Mm-hmm. So we've got a lot of religious ishness. We also were initially part of Mexico. Mexico has a strong Catholic background. Our Lady of Guadalupe, whether you are actually Catholic or not, Our Lady of Guadalupe is on everything, like anything and everything mm-hmm. she is there. 
So. Oh, yeah. who who is this? Our Lady Guadalupe is is that what you're saying? Our Lady of Guadalupe. Oh, Our Lady of Guadalupe. Yeah. Who is that? So that's a title of Mary. I was oh, gonna say, is yeah. it is it not just Mary? Like, it is Mary. Yeah. It's one of her many titles. So Mary okay. has many. This is the one very specific to uh, to Mexico. Really, mm. Guadalupe is a place, mm-hmm. and um, she it's it's very big culturally for them because she basically appeared and incorporated a lot of kind of their Aztec heritage into like being Catholic and mm-hmm. things like that. And so she's very much was a bridge for many of the locals to kind of like join. So yeah. Oh, mm. excellent. Thank you so much for sharing, Liz. Uh, Sammy, how about you? All right. Um, so science background, I have an undergraduate Bachelor of Science degree in biological sciences with a specialization in marine biology. Um, I did my honors looking at the morphology of fish teeth. So how fish teeth look and how that relates to where they are in the evolutionary tree. Very cool. Mm -hmm. Um, And now I am currently doing my PhD on coral reefs and coral health and how that changes with climate change. So um, my religious background, um, I guess I kind of have to start with my parents. So a little bit Mm -hmm. of of a cultural background as well. So I'm from a mixed race family. So um, my mother is an immigrant to the United States. My dad grew up in New York. um, And I sort of am the mix between where they both are. So my dad grew up in very Catholic household. He went to like Catholic Sunday school. um, And my mom actually was also Catholic. She when she was younger, she told me this, I think it's hilarious. She wanted to be a nun. And so if she had pursued that, I would not be here. Yeah. But um, very interesting uh, turn of events for her life. Mm-hmm. Um, but sort of throughout my, my childhood, we kind of moved a little bit away from Catholicism. My, my parents did have uh, a couple of not like bad, traumatic, terrifying experiences, but just like had some bad interactions and just sort of not turned their back on faith, but more turned our backs on religion, like organized religion. Mm. So um, I would say that we are still Christian, Mm -hmm. but we don't actually practice by going to church. We don't really um, do any like organized prayer. Mm -hmm. It's just more of like the teachings and the morals discussed through the Bible and the, um, you know, the the life paths that they would like you to follow more mm-hmm. so not so much as like the strict rules of like you have to go to church on Sundays you have to do xyz right so yeah I would say personally I would align myself as more faithful than religious mm-hmm. excellent oh that was that was also very beautifully said oh, I like that <laughs> faithful but not necessarily religious um I also have a, a big of a complicated relationship with religion, but let, let me first um, start with my science background. So I am an evolutionary biologist, a PhD in evolutionary biology. Uh, I specifically study the differences and, and different behaviors uh, when animals exhibit when they're trying to mate. 
and how they're trying to find partners and what happens with, you know, their babies and consequent generations. But not a sexologist. But not a sexologist, yes. <laughs> um, there Sometimes I have like a, a slip and I say sexologist because it's so much easier than saying, oh, I'm an evolutionary sex biologist. Yeah. Like, it's but, just faster. I know. It, it is faster, but it's completely incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot help you with your sexual problems. Uh, please stop DMing me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Um, How can you imagine? Oh my god! Oh god! I, I please no no unsolicited uh, sex questions to me, please. Um, but my, my my religious history, I guess my, my my relationship with religion is a bit complicated. Um, I come from two different religions. One side of my family is Jewish. And the other side of my family is Orthodox Russian. So very similar to like Greek Orthodox um, religion. And I, I genuinely don't know if it's still called Christianity. It is. It is? It, it is. Basically, it's part of the split. So Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we're Orthodox Russians. Um, uh, and and uh, yeah, uh, another side is Jewish. So when I was growing up, when I was little, you know, you kind of follow what what your parents are doing. And so um, one side of my family would go to church, and the other side of my family would go to synagogue. And so my weekends, Saturdays, Friday night, we'd have Shabbat. Saturday would go to synagogue, and then Sunday I would go to church. <laughs> it, it was, you know, and very then, packed weekend. Very you. packed weekend. I went to, I have been to um, Jewish school, like Hebrew school. I actually used to read Hebrew. Um, did you have a bat mitzvah? I did not, no. Okay. Because, so in the Jewish faith, the children are really only Jewish from the mother's mother. side. I was going to ask yeah, which one right. is it, your mother exactly. or your father? And it's my father who's Jewish. So he oh. still wanted us to kind of understand, you know, his religion. And, and you know, we my, my mother was very accepting of that. My mother was happy to kind of go to church and, sorry, go to synagogue. And the community was wonderful. And the community was extremely accepting of this. Mm -hmm. And then it was the same with the Russian Orthodox community. Everybody was very accepting of my father. Everyone was, you know, happy to have us. Uh, everyone was happy to teach us. Like, both communities are wonderful, right? Um, so, yeah, I, I and then I, I also went to um, not necessarily Christian school, but uh, basically what you would do is, like, th there would be a children's section. Church, Russian Orthodox is extremely strict religion, so church would be, like, three hours long and it was always standing and for children oh, that's very yeah. very hard right yeah. it's it's very hard uh and so what we would do is instead you know we'd uh, go to a different room while the service was happening and it, instead we were we were taught it in a more digestible way in a, in a way that children could understand and also keep us busy because yeah you know during the service you'd have to be really quiet and it's this very powerful moment for a lot of people and the last thing you want is a whole bunch of children running around or because getting they're bored like getting or antsy. They, exactly yeah. exactly so um that was my kind of relationship in the beginning uh because it was very much influenced by my parents as i got older um uh, i guess i'm not going to get into this because this isn't a, a live story you know, podcast story that I want to share. But a few traumatic things had happened in my life. And I felt very abandoned by religion. I felt very abandoned. And it was very much like, why would God let this happen to me? 
that was what I went through. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, though, I didn't want to be alone. So I was still, I went through kind of your transition, Sammy, where I was faithful, but not religious. I no longer went to church. Um, By that point, my parents were divorced. So I I had long not gone to synagogue. Um, I had no longer been going to church. I I very much removed myself from from the community. Um, And yeah, I didn't really have those outlets anymore. I didn't pursue those outlets right and i but i was still faithful because because of this trauma even though it was like why would god let this happen to me at the same time i didn't want to be alone because if i stopped believing in god i would feel so alone i would feel more abandoned than anything you know mm-hmm. i was abandoned by people on, on earth i didn't want to be ab- abandoned by god either um as i grew up uh, because i had removed myself from the community I oh by the way the trauma is in no way related to religion I do want to make that clear just in case somebody was thinking that it was in no way related to religion nothing like that it was just that I didn't have those outlets anymore and I stopped pursuing them um and then as I grew older because I was no longer seeking those outlets it was just this slow transition into not even thinking about faith anymore. Um, I I stopped praying. Um, I didn't, I, I, you know, I very much respected my mother, who's still to this day, very religious. I personally, I found it very difficult to get back into it, uh, being an older, being an adult now. Um, I didn't like the strictness of the religion. Um, but I very much respected it. You know, I would still accompany my mother to ter- church as an adult because I understood how meaningful it was to her. I remember myself. I didn't want to lose faith, right? I, I, I you know, um, and so now I wouldn't necessarily call myself an atheist, but nor would I call myself religious or even faithful. What about agnostic? I was, I was going to say, yeah. yeah, I would call myself agnostic. Um, and I know that some people might see it as a bit of a, of a cop-out. But I, I, I think given what I just told you, I think that's a fair description of, of what I feel, mm-hmm. right? I'm very respectful of the people in my life who are, are still religious, and I hope that they're respectful of me. Um but it's not anything that I seek, per mm-hmm. se, right? It's not something I think about on a really ever anymore. Um, so yeah, that's that's my story. Um, I also want to point out, I forgot one thing. Mm. Um, so the reason why I knew all of those like little questions about Jew- Judaism and mm-hmm. your history with you know going to Jewish synagogue mm-hmm. was because I grew up um, in a very high high population of jewish people from new york yes yeah so i have been to more like bar and bat mitzvahs than i have like any other type of gathering (laughs) (laughs) so uh yeah so while i am not of the jewish faith i do know a lot about the rituals and um beliefs behind judaism Mm -hmm. it's it's a, I mean, both religions are very beautiful, both the Christian and the uh, Jewish religions. Everybody has their own uh, kind of beauty to it, yeah. right? I think um, religions all start in a really great place, which is Agreed. like the 
you know, want of community, that want of purpose, of guidance. Belonging. Yeah. Especially. Yeah. Um, I, I 100% agree. Um, now, Liz, I would like to ask, how does it feel to be a scientist and to be religious? How, how do you find people... Um, you know, do people judge you for that? Uh, do you feel judged by yourself or by your community? Or do you actually find it a very accepting area? How do you find that being a scientist, especially a scientist who studies evolution, may I add? Uh, yeah, how do you find that? So um, it depends on who I'm talking to. Hmm. So kind of in my workplace, I find it fairly accepting, Excellent. although it depends what really so, yes oh. so i remember um at one point just having we were having a conversation for some it was some type of workshop thing and we're talking about stuff mm-hmm. and it ended up just becoming very negative towards anyone that had a faith and really just, yes it was just i don't think they were necessarily meaning to be mean but it felt to me that it was coming off that way because it was very judgmental of anyone that had a religion oh they are either not that smart or they just, they don't understand. They live in ancient times. And mm. I ended up, I'm not sure if they just didn't know that I was or not. Mm. And so I ended up being like, guys, I am Catholic. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't think certain ways. Like, yeah. y- y- you're assuming a lot of things. And please don't assume that because that's not actually how we are. Part of it is, I think media and just others have had one either they've had a bad experience with someone of faith Mm -hmm. and so it's really anyone then yeah it's coming from a really personal place that they're not like able to expand that there are other people that exist within that same religion Mm -hmm. (laughs) that are not anything like that yeah exactly there's also kind of just stereotyping that's happened in the media of anyone of faith Mm -hmm. and so that's we end up being in many ways persecuted for Mm it so i I've seen it. I've been persecuted to some extent in that, like, my faith has been targeted and attacked. Mm. I'm from so time sorry to, time. to hear that. It, It's not completely unexpected in my thing. Like, well, it just because I, sh- I... It shouldn't be like that. You know, you should, like, do you ever find that perhaps you avoid sharing about your faith because of that? That's definitely true. Um, I don't tell people initially that I'm Catholic. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Just because I know that there's a stigma to lots of people of faith, in especially evolution, mm-hmm. um, I find that there's only a few that really have some type of faith mm-hmm. in it. And so it ends up being very much, some people have decided that science is a faith or a religion of itself. And so science can solve oh. everything. Hmm. And anyone that believes in any other type of faith, they're like, oh, no, that's not science. So, no, it can't solve anything. And so it just kind of looks down on other things. Mm-hmm. That's why some people see as scientists not even having the capacity to have any yes. sort of faith, right? It's exactly. such a separate thing from religion, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Which we hope to change on this podcast. Hopefully. You can be religious and still be a scientist or faithful and still be a scientist. Yeah. Yes. Which we're going to be extremely respectful in this room and outside of this room, right? When this podcast goes live, I want to make sure everybody is respectful of all of us here, right? The last thing we want, like this isn't in any way. Instead, we want to bring light to this situation, right? like humanize it a little. Because the same thing with, you know, you mentioned that people have that single perception of what someone of religion 
looks like or acts like or believes. But you could say the same thing as a scientist mm-hmm. saying that yes. oh, they're all like this unfaithful, like very analytical, nerd, t- know-it-all kind of person. Mm-hmm. Like I've met mm-hmm. scientists that are like that. Yeah. And I know because I've met other scientists that not all scientists are like, like that. that. But if that exactly. was the first scientist that you meet, you mm-hmm. might have that perception of scientists forever. Yeah, so, exactly. Like it, you can come at it from both perspectives. Have a little bit of humanity. Agreed. I think that's the biggest thing is like definitely in that conversation that happened at the workshop. It was one of those like once I said that they're like, oh, really? To some extent, I think some of them knew I was sort of religious but they didn't really realize that like I'm actually a practicing Catholic I go to mass every Sunday and kind of like I I grew up with a lot of it um something I didn't mention I probably should have I went to Catholic school and mm-hmm. the Catholic school I went to it was c- called Anglican use which th- means basically that the Anglican tradition has a lot of these thighs and thou's it's a more ancient in a way than kind of the current mass setting that we use mm-hmm. in the Catholic church and so the reverence was there and whenever I'd go to Mass, it's very reverent. Um, and so I grew up with, like, while both my parents were religious, um, my dad actually converted to Catholicism. Oh. He initially was agnostic um, mm-hmm. and ended up, like, after my mom and him got married, the, he eventually did become Catholic. Mm-hmm. So kind of with that, I've grown up with people that converted to Catholicism, and I find a lot of converts know much more about Catholicism than actual, like, oh, cradle Catholics. I, I agree. Absolutely. 100%. And yeah. so it's been really good, kind of, when I was going through Catholic school, these guys, most of them were converts. So they knew the background and they knew questions that you could have. And so we could have these conversations of, like, this is why we believe this. This mm-hmm. is why this is this way. And so that's kind of why I had a very deep faith coming in mm-hmm. and from high school into college and then just afterwards as well. Mm-hmm. Um, once people, and I've, I've kind of learned from my experience, generally there's a negative perception of faith. At least that's been my experience mm-hmm. in like evolution, stuff like that. Which Anyone of faith I, in science. I would 100% agree with that sentiment. Yeah. yeah. But once I end up telling people, or once I get to know people and then I tell them like, hey, like, I'm actually religious. They're like, wait, what? You are? Yeah. And that definitely changes perception. I think it's, it definitely is, like you said, Sammy, like it's hum- humanizing it. Is that there's people around you that are religious. And so it's being more accepting. Sometimes like it's tough initially because we just, you've had a bad experience. But yeah, once they know, kinder, mm-hmm. more like more accepting of it and more kind of open and willing to ask questions. Because that's yeah. like, I'm happy to, for people to ask me questions. Like that's one of the things that's yeah. like. Like when you're passionate yeah. about something, you want to share it with other people. Yeah, this exactly. is such an integral part of your identity and who you are as a person mm-hmm. that like, it's like asking you, like, what do you do f- for fun? It's like asking about your hobbies, about exactly. your interests. It's yeah. something that is so meaningful to you. Yeah. And you would exactly. like, you should judge humans for their humanity, for yes. them being humans. Not just the list of identities that they would exactly. put on a form exactly. in a census. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because let's face it, you know, like you li- said, Liz, sometimes you're not even going to share that with that person, right? They're not in that kind of bubble for you to share that part of yourself, right? Exactly. Um, and that's okay, because the person should be judging you on who you are, not 
your background, nothing like that, right? Because you do not, also, another thing is, you do not represent the whole of all yes, Christian people. Yes, that's another thing. Right? Like, when you are a minority in a room, you become, like, the voice for that minority, yeah. and it's really ridiculous. It, it can be really difficult, yeah. right? But also, at the same time, this is kind of why I like having, uh, like, diverse people in a room. Because, you know, you you were talking about that situation. That was a very what they believed was a isolated, you know, homogenous bubble of people that all think the same way, an echo chamber. Mm -hmm. But when you add another voice into that room, it completely shifts the conversation. It asks more questions. It starts a dialogue. And it's such a much more educational and, like, transformative discussion. Agreed, yeah. And so I think if you were ever feel like the people all around you are saying the same thing as you, like don't shut out the other half of the conversation. Mm -hmm. Seek it out. Yeah. Because it'll it, you might find someone who you somewhat agree with. You might find someone who you really don't agree with and it might make you feel like, okay, this is why I believe the way that I believe. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really important to, to hear from other people mm -hmm. that you you don't have the same views as. Yeah, I agree. Um, Liz, do you find that, you know, you, you were saying that people in the science community can maybe be taken aback, right, when you say that you are religious, but you also study evolution. Do you find a similar reaction when you tell people of faith that you are a scientist or specifically that you study evolution? That's a very good question. And to answer that, it depends on which Christian groups I'm talking to. Ah. Yes. So as a Catholic, Catholicism has no problem with the theory of evolution. It okay. actually has had no problem. We've had uh, Pope John Paul II actually was in one of his encyclicals, which is a letter that he writes to the church. He was like, we actually don't have a problem with evolution. Evolution is totally fine. Mm -hmm. um, so it's there's misconceptions and a lot of the more fundamentalist groups generally are the ones that have a little more issue with it. Right. Some Catholics do still. Um, it's one of those things... I, evolution is a very hard topic because for whatever reason, unlike other theories like cell theory or something, mm -hmm. it's been contorted and changed and not taught properly. Oh. And so because of that, there's a misconception among a lot of Catholic or religious groups in general of what it actually is. Okay. And so one of the things that I've, I've actually done and what I sometimes get in the Catholic communities is I end up at the end of last year, I ended up giving a talk on faith and evolution. They oh. are compatible. Yeah. They really are. And it's beautiful to see, especially like as a Catholic, like with with science and like with faith and evolution, like it's a beautiful thing that can mix. I do get some pushback from other Catholics of like, I don't really think when I explain to them that I like study evolution and stuff, they're like, oh, like, I'm not sure I can really believe that. And I'm like, it's not necessarily something that you have to believe. It's a theory. It's an idea of how things work. Mm -hmm. It's been around for 200 years. So it's not exactly something that's new. Yeah, it's no longer a hypothesis. Exactly. It's a theory. Yeah. And I think that's also it is like terminology that we use. Right. So as scientists versus like members of the general public. Exactly. exactly. Theory yeah. means something different. Mm -hmm. That was mm -hmm. a big thing when I explained it to them. And that to see seemed to really help. Most Catholics, though... Um, are generally fine with evolution. Some of the other fundamentalists will give me looks of like, I'm not so sure, like, how can you do that? Mm -hmm. And to that, I'm generally, my response is, 
As a Catholic, we have no problem with it. Mm-hmm. There's actually some really interesting things with it. Um, evolution itself is just like the theory, as we know, is right, the idea of that things change over time and that this happens by natural selection. Mm-hmm. Right. So with that being what evolution is, anything else to it, it's like... Like some people like want to attribute evolution to like Big Bang and things like that, and that's not evolution mm-hmm. per se. Like yeah. that's something else. But they think that that's evolution, and so I some see. of the conceptions of what evolution is. Are I think just... because that's always where the conversation starts in school, and yeah. so then they think it's uh, all connected. Yeah, I think that's probably it too. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of um, one of the things that I've tried to do because I want to. It's t- can be tough, although most people I talk to haven't had an issue with me being like an evolutionary biologist I have had some that don't believe in evolution and have told me so and I'm like okay what what are your problems with it like what's Mm. what's going on oh wow that's an open that's a great open conversation to have Liz and yeah wow incredible some of them are open about why some of Mm. them can't really tell me why they just don't really they just don't that's fair and yeah yeah, I'm kind of like you do you, I guess. Like, mm, yeah, you don't nothing, have to believe in this. Because, like, nothing you say is going to change that when they can't even articulate why. Exactly. So, mm. like, it might as well just say, well, I'll save my time. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Because you're not there to change their mind. Yeah. You're just there to give them the information. Exactly. And for them to do whatever they will with that information. Yeah. Right? Exactly. You can't make someone think a thing. No. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. Could you give us a kind of condensed version of the talk that you give for people of faith about evolution? Sure. So faith and evolution. So first off, I generally start off with faith, like what is faith and stuff like that. What so. is faith? Because I, I, I'd assume that you have a different definition of faith than, say, Sammy or I. So the definition that I've very much resonated with is faith is the belief in the impossible, that the impossible can be possible. Hmm. So we kind of talk about Abraham as kind of like one of the quintessential people of faith and it's he believed that something impossible like him having lots of kids and his like descendants as numerous as the stars that that could be possible he believed and he had faith that god would do what god said he was going to do and he did who is abraham sure so abraham is in the bible he is the father of isaac and jacob um who are those? I'm so oh, sorry, no, Liz. No, I have so you're gonna, no we're going to have to read you the Bible, Bible. at this point. <laughs> <laughs> so you start off, so, <laughs> let's see. where does Adam come in? Ah. Adam and Eve. <laughs> okay. So oh, we're starting at the beginning. Oh, <laughs> the beginning. So Listen, start- I don't know, especially like um, Catholic Christianity, I have no idea. Oh, I wonder if we translated this into Russian, would it be the same? <laughs> uh, you know what? Actually, I maybe. have found some prayers are very similar from the Russian text to the English text. Yes. Yeah. So there's actually, haha, so <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm so glad I went to Catholic school. There's so much I know. Yes. So <laughs> there's actually St. Cyril Methodius, I want to say it was Cyril Methodius that actually translated uh, the Bible at the time into Russian. Oh, wow. So we actually have had some saints that like went and proselytized to mm-hmm. to Russia and everything like that and mm-hmm. actually translated it. So that might have been some of your original translations. Thought, yeah, that. exactly. Very and it would have been probably translated from the Greek because that was yes. New Testament is Greek. Agra- Old Testament yeah. is Hebrew. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. 
But yeah, anyways, okay, so, let's go back. Abraham, and then before him, okay. you were saying Isaac and... Uh, no, no, not before, after. After him. Oh, my God. His okay. children are Isaac. Isaac. Yeah. Oh, I see. And then Isaac's son is Jacob. And then is Adam their grandfather? So Adam is the very beginning. So yeah. Okay. In the beginning. So God. great-great-grandfather. <laughs> in the beginning was the Word, word. and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That is... <laughs> is that in the Bible? Yes. Yeah, that ah. is the Gospel of John. That's how it starts, okay. the, it, which mirrors Genesis, which is... In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form, and darkness covered the deep. Mm -hmm. And then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And he had the greater light to to govern the day, another one to to govern the, the lesser one to govern the night. So you get, like, the creation of light and darkness, and, like, and so Genesis, you've got that, and basically God creates the earth um, and everything in the earth. Wasn't it like in seven days or something? Yes. Yeah. Seven, and that's why you get the seven-day creation, people, is mm-hmm. they basically, they took the Bible extremely literally and were like, this is what it is. Yes. So I actually, uh, if you guys listen to our other podcast, which all three of us are producers and hosts on called <laughs> Boiling Point Science, um, all three of us are on it. We each have really incredible episodes where we interview scientists and it's a 30-minute science show. And one of the episodes I did on Boiling Point, it was about a year ago now, I had an episode with Occulte Veritatis, which is another podcast on Spotify. And we did a, an episode of creationism versus evolution. Oh, cool. And basically they gave me um, cr- uh, Christianic views and I would rebuttal them as a scientist. And one of them, they they said, you know, God created it in seven days. And I, yeah, that's exactly what I said is like, that is a literal sense. sense. It's not exactly seven days, even in the Bible. And even Christian people say that that is not literally seven days. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that that's, I, I agree. That's even Christian people don't necessarily believe that. Yeah. yeah it's, or, or it's a different view. It's a, it's a metaphor, seven days. Metaphor slash, it's one of those God can, it's one of those when you, to me, the way I see it, and this is maybe just me and not other, other uh, religious people, but when some try to say that it's only seven days, I feel like that you are trying to limit God when you do yeah. that. Oh. And I'm he like, could make day as long as he would like. Exactly. Yeah. So it's one of those like, are you really going to limit God? Like, mm. what, what? To me, that's what it feels like. I'm not sure that that's what they intend, but that's what it feels like to me. And so I'm like, no, why can't God have like Big Bang and then let natural forces go and just kind of maybe he guides them some way, but he, he started it mm-hmm. and he lets it go mm-hmm. and does whatever and takes however long it's going to take. Mm-hmm. There's actually really cool. Um, there was an episode of um, one one thing that was on like, Catholicism, but also the Bible and evolution. And it was really cool because there's three big kind of concepts in in science that we're trying to figure out that generally related to evolution. Mm-hmm. One is Big Bang. How did Big Bang, when, how did that happen? One of the other kind of loopholes that people are trying to figure out is when did life start creating life? Mm. The last one is when man comes about, like installation of the soul and like what makes us human, basically. Mm-hmm. So those are three big gaping holes that like science is trying to understand. Those are some of the big questions in science, right? Mm-hmm. Well, in the Bible, it's really cool. There's a certain word that's used that's called barak, and that's from nothing something. Those Could you are... spell that for me? Because I just thought buttocks in my head. <laughs> <laughs> Could you spell that? I think it's... B A R A C K or B R A K something like that. Okay. It's a it's a Jewish word. So, oh yeah, yeah. okay. So, but so it's he- it's Hebrew. It's Hebrew, yes. Mm. Um, and each what's cool though is 
there, the, that word's only used three times hmm. in the Old Testament, for at least in Genesis, for the creation. First, it's crea- creating light slash like the beginning of the universe. Mm-hmm. And that's one of our big questions. Like the Big Bang. The Big Bang, mm-hmm. yes. Which actually, Catholic scientists came up with that, coined that phrase. That no was a way. Catholic love that. Yeah. So cool. We have, the, when's the second time? Ah, so the second time is uh, creation of life from nothing mm-hmm. something. And God created life. So that's the other kind of big loophole. And so faith-wise, that kind of is like God did that. Mm-hmm. We don't know how, but we know that he did. Mm-hmm. Then the last one is installation of the soul. Mm-hmm. And those are the three buttocks from nothing something. The rest of it's just kind of it, something's already there and it's taking that something that's already there and messing with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I find that very like I, I have no doubt that the original authors like knew nothing of these like controversies <laughs> we're going to have. But like that's in there. And that's just to mm-hmm. me, that's like mind blowing that like those three. And those are our big questions now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, that's just, quite beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's that's a very interesting like puzzle piece fit yeah. for religion and science. And that's sort of how, how I fit my faith mm. into science as well. Because to me, like having faith does not detract from my my scientific background. Totally agree. It only adds to it. Yeah. There's things that you cannot explain yet. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think also even the things that we can explain, having that understanding of how things work to me just makes god so much cooler Mm. totally agree he designed things in this way Mm -hmm. that it works and it Mm -hmm. makes sense Mm -hmm. you know because you can't just you can't say oh well you know science is the only thing it you know is born of other science it's born of this like why not why couldn't it have been made by a godlike being you know Mm -hmm. i don't see i don't see why that why that has to be two separate things it could be a really beautiful design from a divine creator, mm-hmm. or it could be science, and you're free to believe whatever you want to believe, but they're not mutually exclusive. Right, and they do not have to be, yeah, exactly, De- depending on who you are, right, yeah. depending on what you believe. Um, all right, let's continue so with our lecture. Evolution lecture. Yes. So basically, so like creation of the world, when you have the world created, God also creates man. Right. Mm-hmm. Man is created in his image and likeness. Mm-hmm. You have Adam and then Eve is created from Adam. Mm-hmm. So you've got the first two human beings. They're in the garden. They eventually get expelled from the garden because they eat the fruit that they're not supposed to eat. Mm-hmm. Basically disobedience. Could, could I ask a, a person, just like as a non-religious person, um, and, and I, to be fair, you might not even know how to answer that. But from a religious point of, or from a Christian, from, from your faith point of view, why would God put that there in his beautiful garden? Uh, you know, in his, in his garden of, from what I understood was like perfect, right? His perfection garden. Why would he put uh, uh, this evil in his garden? Ooh, can, mm. I, can I answer really quick? Before oh, you gee. give me like the Catholic school one, because sure. the way that I always thought of it was like, light cannot exist without darkness. Okay. And so you sort of have both. I see sides you've watched Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> I have watched Star Wars, but like the idea being that you know you can't have, like something is not perfect unless it's balanced, and so okay. having both some things that are good and things that are evil Mm -hmm. but I also I'm remembering something from like very young in my youth of like the idea of I have given you these instructions and this is your 
faith and your belief in me mm-hmm. that you're not going to touch it. That was also I something see. that I remember hearing. Okay. But I, I, I just quite liked, because I don't know if I necessarily like the idea of a God that tests you, hmm. but I do like the idea of, you know, everything having having balance and having purpose. Okay. I like that. Liz? So I would take, I, I'll take a bit of that. So you mentioned that you can't have, you can't have light without darkness. I would swap it. I mean, you can't have darkness without light. Mm. Light first, then darkness. Because only, only like in the shadow of light do you get darkness. Mm. Ah. So at least that's how I would perceive that. But I do agree that like you need, you, you end up having both. I would also though, in a little differently with the tree, I would perceive that is like, and I could be completely wrong. But God gives us free will. Hmm. We were allowed to choose. Mm. He wanted us to be able to love him freely. Mm. God is love. Mm-hmm. Like that is his to- that is his whole being. And he loves us very much. So he decided to let us have free will. And he's like, this is, y'all can choose to stay here with me mm-hmm. or you can choose this other thing. And so it's one of those uh, in Revelation talks about how like a third of the stars of heaven ended up being swept down. A lot of commentators have, or at least theological commentators, have talked about how that's probably like a third of the angels in heaven. If you've ever read Dante, any of Dante's stuff with like the Inferno and different things, I think it talks about at one point like that there's, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe it's not Dante, it's someone else. I don't remember. (laughs) But someone in one of the books like talked about like that there was a big war in heaven and some of the angels fell. So that's kind of like... I feel like that is Dante's Inferno. That's what I was thinking too. But basically, that was kind of, he let them have free will as well. And so some chose to disobey. I, to I am remembering this now. Yeah, that Yay. was it, the free will. I, For some reason in my child brain, it was like, it's a test. Ah, but well, maybe that's because I'm Asian. Um, but I, that's, that's kind of, right? It kind of does feel like a yeah. test. Given free will, you get to choose. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so you get to choose right and wrong. And so Adam and Eve... You have the the serpent, which actually, apparently, depending on how you actually translate the original Hebrew, mm-hmm. it actually actually is dragon or this oh, great creature. That. It's not actually this little snake. No, okay. no, 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 no. That little snake is wrong. That's pretty badass if it's yeah. like a big ass dragon. <laughs> it's like this humongous creature thing, like that's like actually legit that. scary. Wow. And Adam did not like actually step up and like help her, and yeah. she ended up having to try and make a decision, and yeah. so she chose ended up being Listen, poorly. as a woman, yeah. when someone big and scary is coming up to you and telling you to do something, I have very few options. <laughs> it's a fight or flight response. <laughs> so it's one of those, it's that, it's also Satan twisting words, because that's actually, if you mm-hmm. read it, because God, all God had said was like, you can't eat the fruit of the garden. And the, the serpent twisted of like, you can't eat the fruit of the garden because you'll die. And he's like, like he's, he said that, but you actually won't die. And it's one of those like, He's so he gaslit her. God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of what happens. And that's, but that's what sin does. And that's what Satan does is he tries to trick you into doing these things. Mm-hmm. So she was misled and she believed him and didn't, in a way, trust. Mm-hmm. She didn't trust God enough mm-hmm. to kind of obey. Mm-hmm. And so you've got the disobedience pride thing as well of like, ah, oh, I know better than God. Mm-hmm. And so kind of with all those things, you have the fall. There's actually a lot more commentaries on this. I'm, it's one of those, this is kind of from different things I've heard mm-hmm. and like talked to people about, but like 
Yeah, Please look I, up. people have been debating religion and specifically the Bible for centuries, exactly. two thousand years yes. at so, least. Excuse um, the pun, but do not take this podcast as gospel. Thank you. Yes, please. <laughs> please don't take it off. And, oh. and so, like, you know, we could be here all day talking about all of the different theories and interpretations mm-hmm. of the exactly. different stories in the Bible. And I love those topics. But please continue with your <laughs> yes. your, your evolution <laughs> lecture. Yes. yes. How does evolution fit in? in this? So, God, Adam, and Eve, uh, we, we basically were mentioning this because Abraham and yes. father of faith. So, mm-hmm. you have Adam and Eve. Eventually, you have from them Cain and Abel. Cain kills Abel. Eventually, you have Noah. Okay. And so Noah the with the ark and everything else, he has a few kids. And from them, that's where you eventually get the rest of the earth populated, as I recall. Is what Ooh, what a bottleneck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not the genetics on us. <laughs> <laughs> but you have that. And then eventually from there, you get Abraham. Okay. And yeah. And then from his line is where you get Judaism and the other. So Abraham is the father of Judaism, basically. Mm -hmm. Okay. They call Abraham their father, father in faith. Mm -hmm. From him, you get Isaac and then Jacob. So Isaac also had a half-brother. I want to say his name was Ishmael. Okay. So call me Ishmael. That yes. actually sounds like a very familiar name. It's yes. from Moby Dick. Moby Dick. It's where I've that's from. It's Moby the very first, first line of Moby Dick. Call, call me Ishmael. Ishmael. The narrator ah. of, of Moby Dick. If you it's, ever get a trivia question on literature, that is almost guaranteed to be one of them. For oh, sure. Okay. It's, but Ishmael actually is a very symbolic name. So Ishmael, um, so basically what happened is uh, Abraham and Sarah, they actually were known, their names were slightly different. God changed their names. Okay. But initially, like, he, Abraham married Sarah. They were very old, like 70s, 80s. Like, these guys are... When like, they married? No, no, no. They, they married young, but, like, they hadn't had kids, and they were 70s and 80s when God called them. I see. So they were much older when they were called. Mm-hmm. Once, when they were called, um, God had promised that Abraham that he'd be the father of nations. Mm-hmm. But he was a Sarah. They kept not having kids, and Sarah didn't really trust God enough. And so, which basically... I say that she didn't trust God enough. I don't think that she really believed it was going to happen. Right. Mm. She was very old. She's like, I'm barren. Like, I can't. Like, yeah, this isn't going to work. is a thing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And mm-hmm. so she's like, I don't see how this is possible. Why don't you actually, very messed up, really thinking about it, but why don't you, like, have sex with my servant? And then no! you'll have kids that way. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so that's basically what happened is he had a kid by the servant, mm-hmm. um, and that was Ishmael. Okay. And eventually... Oh, that's the half-brother. That's the half-brother. But then eventually God is like, no. Like, he sends an angel and tells Abraham, like, you actually are going to have a child with Sarah. And, like, Sarah laughed because she didn't believe the angel still. Mm -hmm. And the angel's like, no, you will. And they did. And that's Isaac. And so Isaac actually, um, as I recall, is Hebrew for laughter because Sarah laughed. Or laughed, yeah, because she laughed. She? Oh. But yeah, so that's kind of so. Ish from Ishmael, though, mm-hmm. it's as I recall, and I, I can be very wrong, but as I recall from him, that's actually where we get kind of the um, the Muslim kind of sec- or oh, Muslim wow. religion is kind of supposed to be a derivative of that, as mm-hmm. I recall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because then after it's Jacob, and it goes down the line. So right. yeah, Ishmael is kind of that line, mm-hmm. and so yeah, then you get. So Isaac, and Isaac has Jacob, Mm -hmm. and Jacob, you get, eventually down the line, you get David, and then David is is a great, great, great something of Joseph, and then Joseph, father of Jesus. Okay. So that's kind of how the line goes. Right. Okay. So yeah. Yeah. 
And so how does that relate to yes, evolution? Yes, how does it relate okay. to evolution? So we talk about, um, so generally I start off with faith, what is faith, and kind of faith, but also reason. Mm. So a lot of times, so in the Catholic kind of tradition of faith and reason, you faith is extremely important in a way you don't necessarily need reason for faith, but reason is an important aspect of faith. God gave us an intellect and brain and everything to use. He wants us to use the gifts that he's given us. And so we use this to figure out the truth. And like one of the things that Christ says in the Gospel of John is, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So when we are searching for truth, we are searching for God. And so our faith influences kind of how we see these things, but truth, any type of truth that we have, whether evolution, which is kind of the truth of how things seem to change and progress, mm -hmm. that is a truth and God is in that truth. Mm -hmm. And so in the way that's kind of how I see evolution is like, it's, it's something that we've come to know because God has helped us like figure it out. Science is a tool. We use science to help kind of understand God. Right. And so with faith, we have faith, and he's given us this power of reason, this intellect, this will, and so we use it. The church has had through the years many scientists that have done so many different things. Mendel was a brother, a Catholic yeah. brother. You also he was a have, monk. He right? was a monk, yeah. yes, that's right. So you've got him, you've got um, Albert the Great was a scientist. He's actually the patron saint of scientists. Oh, cool wow. guy. He discovered arsenic. Oh, dear. I <laughs> love that. <laughs> right? But he was I, I hope very he cool. was okay when he did. <laughs> as far as I know, he was. <laughs> but definitely a scientist mm. and really promoted stuff. And one of the, there is, I generally have a slide of like different quotes from different people. Mm -hmm. Augustine was very much into science and very much was like, science helps us and understand God. And we are fools as Catholics if we deny the truth in the science that we find. Like, because God, again, God is in the truth. Mm -hmm. God is truth. Yeah. And so, yeah. Also, Albert the Great was like, if we find these truths, we should share them. Like, science is important to share because mm -hmm. it helps That's people know the truth. the last step of science. Everyone exactly. forgets this. Like, in the scientific method, mm -hmm. whatever you believe the scientific method is, at the end of it, it should end with communication. Agreed. Exactly. Yeah. So talk about that. And kind of even we have different people like Carl Sagan, who's actually a very controversial Heck person. yeah, Carl Sagan. <laughs> yeah. But even he was like, there are some things that like, the, the kind of faith is important in, in kind of science and like, we don't understand everything. That there's, we're never going to understand everything. But that it's kind of an, it has influenced him even in like his exploration of science. Mm -hmm. So I find it to be, um, and so I end up talking about kind of that and how like faith and reason actually go together. There's many encyclicals, many of the doctors of the church and things like that have talked about how faith and reason go together. Mm. Faith is important in a way it does trump reason, but reason is very important and it, and it enlightens our faith. It helps our faith be more rich and stronger because it helps us understand more of God. Mm -hmm. And I, I definitely agree with Sammy. It's like the more that I learn about the science and all these things with evolution stuff, the more beautiful to me God ends up becoming because it's just like, wow, he did this amazing complex thing and the beauty and the organization of just it all and the just awe-inspiring power that all this is. Like, it's just gorgeous. And so to me, it helps me really appreciate God mm -hmm. because he's just, he's done all this. Yeah. And in a way, like he did it for us. Like, that's awesome. Like, wow. And it's beautiful um, to see it as like, you're trying to uncover the truth. You're trying yes. to understand God. Exactly. That's a really beautiful 
way to see science, yeah. especially if you're religious. Right? And also, yeah, that's I also think that's a really good way to have faith because mm. the whole idea is like behind faith is your relationship with God. And a relationship isn't one-sided. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's equal. You know, yeah. he Takes has, two to tango. Yeah, <laughs> he has influenced your existence and your life. But then your goal, I, I don't know, maybe not for everybody, but like part of your role is to then understand him and understand why. Yeah. Yes. So is um, so one of the books I recommend for if y'all are actually like really curious about Catholicism and want to kind of get a condensed version of like what we believe, read the Catechism of the Catholic Church. It was put together by Pope John Paul II, now Saint Pope John Paul II, um, and it basically is a condensed version of what we believe. It quotes a chunk of our church fathers. It quotes the Bible and just all the different kind of documents that form the form Catholicism, it's there. Mm. So a lot of these questions can be answered there. I'm trying to summarize and remember what I've read, um, but it's really um, a good place to look for a lot of these things. Mm-hmm. Speaking of books, mm-hmm. uh, another w- thing that I wanted to chat to you about on here is you recently read a book of, uh, his name is ah, escaping C.S. me. C.S. Lewis. Yes, C.S. Yes. Lewis, who was an agnostic or an atheist? He initially was, but then he became Christian. Yeah, and he wrote a book about why, right? Mm -hmm. Could you tell us a little bit about the book? So the book is called Mere Christianity, and he wrote it after he became Christian. Uh, He says in the beginning that he's Anglican in particular, but he had a very interesting way of like describing um, faith and religion and how basically people through life are kind of, as he described it in a hotel, with rooms. And so as you learn about different faiths, you open up different doors and kind of try to see what's outside. Otherwise, you're stuck in this hallway. It's closed off. You can't see what's outside. So faith kind of helps enlighten our views of what's outside. Mm. Um, And so depending, you can either choose to stay in the room or come back out to the hallway and keep going on in a way like your faith journey. And so like different people, they're stuck in different rooms. Some people stay in the hallway and never go into the rooms and never explore and, and try to learn it. And so he kind of talks about like why... He decided that Christianity was like what he why he decided to become a Christian. So why? So he had a bunch of different reasons, um, and one of it was like existence of God. So he had his own kind of way of looking at God and um, why why God exists, and kind of we do have the question of like why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? Mm. That is a very good question. Yeah. And it's something you struggled with, Anastasia. It is, it is something I think I still struggle with, really. Mm-hmm. Lots of people do, too. Yeah. It's a common question. And it's one of those things that the best way I've, I've heard it tackled, and I think he, to some extent, tackles it a bit mm-hmm. as well, because he does mention it, um, is that when we struggle, God never leaves us, especially in the times when we struggle. He's actually there. But because we are in a broken world, things have gone terribly wrong, basically. Mm. Because of the fall, we are now in, as C.S. Lewis puts it, and others as well have said, we're in enemy territory. The devil basically controls this world. And Mm. we, in a way, are enemy troops. We have been sent by God to try and fix this world. We can never completely fix it. But it's kind of, in a way, our job to be light and to try and help other people. So because this world is broken, bad things will happen. And because people don't always choose the right things, it does affect us. We are all connected. We're not individual little islands that can just go off 
We can't. That's not how it works. So there are broken things. doesn't necessarily always mean it's your fault or anything. It's kind of the nature of the world. But God does not abandon us. He has given us tools and weapons as well as him himself. Christ came and he died for us. And he talks about that, like, it's beautiful to have a God that actually understands us because God came down and you have Christ. So with Christianity, you've got Christ. He actually lived as human. He was fully divine, fully God, fully man. He experienced everything that we experience. He experienced pain. He experienced suffering. He experienced death and loss, betrayal, everything. Mm. And he still like, ended up coming back and he still saved us. Mm. So we have a God that understands us completely because he actually, in everything except sin, like he experienced it all hmm. so to me that i find that extremely comforting and he mentions that like with that it gives us a lot of hope in that i think my favorite quote of his from the book is that when i find myself desiring things that are not possible in this world it must be meant it must mean that i am not made for this world i'm made for another world hmm. and i just love that quote because i i this another saints of catholic saints have mentioned is like this is not the end this, in a way, is the beginning. This is the battleground. We are fighting here, and we fight for as long as we're alive. Once we have finished this battle, and St. Paul talks about it too, once we finish this battle, once we've run the race, we then have the next life, and that life is what we are actually meant for. But we have to fight here first and try to work on this one before we make it to the next one. And so he kind of talks about like how you can, with kind of the way that the world is, because he was especially talking after he fought in World War One, and World War Two, like it was... It was tough. And there was a lot of evil and pain and darkness mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that there has to be something better. This can't be it. If this is all there is, then we might as well all die because mm -hmm. it's just not worth it. Mm -hmm. And so he talks about kind of like because of these things, there has to be something better. Otherwise, we're kind of deceiving in ourselves if we think that otherwise that like, yeah, I, he's doing it. He does it a lot more beautifully than I can. But I, I think. You did it very yeah. well. Because <laughs> well, you, you actually touched upon the thing that I believe the most about my faith is, like, for me, the way that I view the teachings of the Bible and, and God is that he set forth how to, like, he, his main goal is to just have you be a good person. Like you said, to be the light, mm -hmm. have kindness, have empathy, and try to help others that are in a lesser position than yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, help someone who is less wealthy, help someone who is less fortunate, help someone who is less knowledgeable, mm -hmm. you know, to share ideas, to share resources. That was, to me, growing up, the teachings that I needed to take away from God. Mm. And you put it quite beautifully as like, this is actually a big reason as to why a lot of people may turn to religion. Yeah. And it gives us, it's also... I find my faith very comforting in that, one, this isn't all there is, because if this is all there is, that's really tragic and sad. Mm -hmm. But also that, um, oh, I just had it. So, yeah, this isn't all there is in that this isn't the end, and that people that I've lost, or like people, relatives, family members, things like that, friends, that I could see them again. And so that to me is mm -hmm. also very comforting. But yeah. Having a purpose as well. That there, that God made you for a purpose and a reason. We may not always understand it, and we don't always understand why things happen to us. Mm -hmm. But that He has a plan, and if we put our trust and our faith in Him, He will. He wants to make us happy because He loves us. He truly does. 
So if we put all of our faith and trust in him, he will make us happy. And if it isn't in this life, which sometimes happens, it will in the next. Mm. Like it will pay off. There yeah. is a goal. And I, I find that very comforting. C.S. Lewis talks about that a bit. Um, and I think he does a good job. And he has some last lines. Unfortunately, I listened to an audiobook, so I didn't get to write it all yeah. down. <laughs> but I highly recommend. It's actually relatively short. Mm. Um, and he has he actually breaks things up of like you've got kind of faith, what we believe, uh, morality, kind of what that looks like for the Catholic Church, but also just uh, Christian church, really, like Christians, why do we say th- say these things this way and stuff like that? He also talks about kind of community, because community is very important. That's, again, like, like y'all have mentioned, that's why people go to church and things like that, or like yeah. find a church community or a faith community. Mm-hmm. That's a very important part, because with your faith, especially, like, I know in the Catholic Church we teach, we talk to each other about like growing in faith. We want to become better at knowing our faith. One of our jobs in the Catechism mentions it as our job basically is to know, love, and serve God. Know Him. That's very difficult. We, there's only so much I was talking with Anastasia a bit before this, in that like we're we only know a fraction of what God is, like. and we'll never know exactly. Yeah. We'll never I, know. It's sort completely. of like trying to come up with a new color. It's something that we cannot do. Mm-hmm. Exactly, our brains cannot comprehend something like that yeah yes and so kind of while we can't completely know god we can try and understand him through science and all these other tools as well so learning more about our faith learning more about god in that way then we're doing that uh no love so we love god by practicing what he taught us so being kind to others everyone you meet god is there one of the beautiful things in lamiz it says to love another person is to see the face of god and I find that very true. Everybody. Did you say in Les Mis, like the in musical? Mis, yes, in the musical. Huh. It's like they sing it at the very end, um, oh, right darn. before the like thing. Amazing. Yeah. I, I totally missed that Me line. Too. Oh, yeah. It's a beautiful line. And I just, I find, I really resonate with who, that. Because it's so true. Um, Jean Valjean? Uh, yeah. I think Jean Valjean, it's at the very end, right before they sing, do you hear the people sing at the very, very end? Ah. But he mentions, I think him and, um, and uh, what's her name? Not because it's not because that it's her mother. Uh, oh, whatever. Gosh. Yeah, I'm just picturing yeah. the movie because the last yeah, time I saw movie. it was in the movie. It was Anne Hathaway. But there you go. The but yes, her name. <laughs> yes, but that's it. Like, yeah, like basically, they both sing in uh, the words that once were spoken: "To love another person is to see the face of God." And I just mm. I resonate with that so much because it's so true. He is in everyone that we meet, everyone that we see, rich, poor, tall, small whatever he is there and so that's why we need to treat treat everyone with love and kindness mm-hmm. is because he's there and that's our job is to try and be love be kindness so definition of love because i know that can be controversial can to, it really? yes so what love is so we you in english we have one word for it mm. in greek there are three for different types of love mm-hmm. eros agape and philia eros is the erotic type love so more romantic uh, agape is the self-giving love. Yeah, usually and, for like, like there's a anime that I watched that explained it really well. Mm-hmm. But like, I always thought it was pronounced agape because that's how they would say it in Japanese. <laughs> but agape, it, it's like the love that you have for like a grandparent. Yes. You know, like that, that, uh, what is the word for it? But like familial? Not, not familial, familial, but like, like, like you said, like selfless Self- love. love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it like unconditional not necessarily. necessarily. Okay. Like, 
in a way it's conditional because it's bec- because it's for like a relative or a family member mm-hmm. but it's it's a deep deeper love than just like an erotic uh, erotic one right the last one philia is a friendship and so that's the other type of love that greek has mm-hmm. there are i think there's another one that i'm forgetting but like different languages have multiple different words for it mm-hmm. but english has just decided to combine it to one yeah so in in a way to me catholic tradition and it might be other people that see it this way but the definition i've always have is true love is to to will the good of the other because they are other mm. for no other reason that they are other that mm. is true in a way unconditional love yeah and so like that's that's kind of what we're called to do we, can we do that really 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 difficult but if we can at least try and show love by our actions like helping people doing community service whatever like that's a good start and that's mm-hmm. good so no love and serve serve however community service whatever mm-hmm. so that's kind of what we're called to do so i um kind of tying it all back to evolution and stuff cuz my uh, what i do is i do science and yeah. stuff like i find doing this is how i show my love to others i am there i'm in the community i'm in a way representing god to others but i'm also like i'm getting to know him through my science and then i'm serving others because i'm teaching others and doing stuff like that so yeah that's beautiful i i really love that liz i want to say thank you so much for sharing your experience with us for teaching us today um I, I really appreciate I, I genuinely I learned a lot do you do you feel any different do you as an agnostic that's a good question you don't have to I, yeah that's not the yeah, goal it's yeah, not the no, I, exactly um I I feel more um empathy I guess of I guess I understand people of faith a little bit more after listening to you and I feel less different. I feel less removed from it because I was one of the people who genuinely didn't see that connection between science and religion. Mm-hmm. And talking to you, not just on this podcast, but just like overall knowing you, it's kind of changed my perspective a lot more. And um, I, I don't know if I will ever necessarily be of faith or religious, um, but I'm way more open to mm. it i would say yeah. i feel like yeah. that's good yeah. yeah yeah and i think that's that's just something that we as humans should be in general just be open to new ideas be open to other people's experiences mm-hmm. have empathy have humanity yes that's yeah. really all we can ask exactly uh and so i just want to remind everybody please be kind to each other listen to each other and most of all learn from each other See you next time. Thank you. Thank Conversations you. Conversations with cool dates. Conversations.